have three simple words for you this morning that I think have the power to change your day, maybe your week, and, and possibly your life. Three simple words, and we sang them, but I think if we can fixate on this, it will change our lives. And those words are praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And this morning we're going to be in Psalm 150, so you're welcome to turn there. And while you're turning there, let me share with you just a story that happened three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, if you know, I work for Edward Jones. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm married to Jessica. We've been married for 15 years. We have six children. And when you have six children, it seems that you never have a shortage of sermon illustrations. It's just, it's just ne never, never. So about three weeks ago, I'm sitting in my office, and I'm meeting with a client, and I recognize my phone starts to vibrate, and, I, and when it's Jessica, it's a double vibrate, so I know it's her. And she doesn't interrupt me much during the day, so I'm like, okay, something's probably up. And I, I mistakenly have an iWatch as well. So I glance at my iWatch, and it says, and I quote, not so good news about your van. And so I'm, I'm like, really want to check my phone out of my pocket, but I'm like, that would be super rude to be meeting with somebody and then pull my phone out. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm thinking the whole time, what am I going to find out about my van? So when I finally get out of the meeting, I grab my phone, I look at it, and this is my van door. So I find this is my van door. So I think to myself, my van door should not be opening like a DeLorean. I know that. I don't know body work. I'm not into body work. I don't have experience there, but I know that that doesn't look quite right. And I think we can go two ways with this picture, right? The first way and our first perspective could go something like this. Who in the world did this? And how in the world does that happen? Why do I need to deal with this right now? Or how much is this going to cost? Or how are we going to be able to get this fixed? Parts are, we're at a shortage of parts. Or this is not the best timing. We really need this vehicle right now. Or the, the classic, like, I, I just can't have anything nice. I just can't have anything nice. Or everything gets broken. It seems like everything gets broken. Or we should have sold this van. I knew it. And we probably never should have gotten it in the first place. I'm just so sick of things breaking all the time. And we could go down that line of thinking, Right? And our second line of thinking might go something like this. And some of you are probably more wired the first way than the second way. But the second way would go something like this. Praise the Lord, nobody got hurt. Praise the Lord, I'm glad it's not worse and that door didn't totally fall off. What if the kids have been driving in there? Praise God, praise the Lord that we have an emergency fund to cover this. Praise the Lord that we have another working vehicle. And we could find ourselves in two different thought processes, right? Interpreting the same picture through two different lenses. And what I want you to see is and ask you the question, what is it that comes out of your mouth more often? Is it complaint or is it praise? What is it that is coming from your mouth? Is it grumbling and negativity? Is it questioning or is it thanksgiving and praise? And I think if we're all honest this morning, 
we know that what is reflexively in us, it's just a lot easier to grumble. We are wired through our natural sin to grumble. And if you don't believe me, if you're a parent, how much time do you spend with your kids saying, hey, you're being way too thankful? You are way too appreciative of what's happening to you right now. Or stop being so joyful all the time. No, we're, we're from birth, we are born to grumble. We are born to complain. And so this morning, I hope that we can come to a place where we are stirred to thanksgiving and praise. Because we need to be stirred to thanksgiving and praise. Where despite our circumstances, we can say, praise the Lord. Now some of you are thinking, I, I would kill to have a van door issue right now. My problems compared to this van door are so infinitely bigger. I would take the van door a hundred times over before I was going through the season that I'm going through right now. And, and I, I completely understand that. I know a lot of you are in the midst of life crises. But I also know that for the majority of us, we all have a van door. It's the mundane. It's the small moment that for the majority of us, we have something this week, this month, or this year, and maybe a series of things that were van doors. They weren't life-altering. They weren't catastrophic. But they were enough to bubble up inside of us and lead us to grumble and to complain. And I think at the heart for anyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we all would like to say more emphatically, praise the Lord. And so what does that look like? What does it mean to praise the Lord? Where, why, how, who? Psalm 150 answers all of those things for us. So join me as we read the text. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath... Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we know this morning that apart from you and your sovereign work in our life, that we are incapable of praising the Lord. That in our flesh we are given to grumble, we are given to complaint, that we have to be stirred to look at the beauty of Christ, to come to the place where we can have an overflow of praise that says, Praise the Lord. And God, this morning, despite circumstances, despite what's been happening to those in this room, I pray that we would be encouraged as we look at your word, that you would equip us, that you would help us, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us the power of the Holy Spirit, that despite what we're going through, we might be able to say, praise the Lord. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we are in the Psalms. We took a break from Acts, we're in the Psalms, and Psalm 150 is the last Psalm, it's the final Psalm. And what's interesting about the Psalms is, if you remember, Psalm 1 starts with six verses. And those six verses 
start, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And we come to Psalm 150, and we start and we finish with praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But in between Psalm 1 and Psalm 150, we have a lot of lamentation. We have a lot of struggle, a lot of heartache. We have David pouring his heart out in many of the Psalms. And we see raw human emotion. We see despair at times, discouragement. But when we come to the final five Psalms, Psalms 146, 147, 48, 49, and 50, what we see repeated from start to finish, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's almost as if if you are abiding or you are meditating on the word of God, that at the culmination of that is nothing but praise for the Lord. That you have God's word so richly meditated upon that when you get to the final days, you're doing nothing but praising the Lord. That's all you're doing. But the in-between time is like the life of Christ. He went from pain and suffering to everlasting praise. Just like us. You know, good, good news this morning, you are one day closer to the face of Jesus Christ than you were yesterday. You see in the Psalms that we go from the valley and end at the mountain. We are in the valley and we end at the mountaintop. From pain to praise. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. Now what's also interesting about this last psalm is punctuation is important. So do you see how many exclamation points there are here? It is loaded with exclamation points. It's like it's this jubilant praise. It's, it's, it's a praise that's just overflowing. It's just an overflow of praise. And in fact, this psalm is less a song. It's more of an instruction. It's more of an imperative. It, it tells you praise the Lord. It's a command. In fact, 13 times in just six verses, we're told to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We have to be stirred to praise. And isn't it interesting that the Psalms would open with six verses and end with six verses? We start with God's word. We breathe in the word of God. We meditate on the word of God. And then we exhale praise for the Lord. So in this remaining time, there's four things I want you to learn from this passage, where we are to praise the Lord, why we praise the Lord, how we are to praise the Lord, and who is to praise the Lord. Now before we do that, it's probably important that we know what it means to praise, right? If it's littered throughout this 13 times, it's probably a good idea. And praise is just the overflow of admiration, you know, it's, what, what is it that captivates you? 
What is it that pours out this, this gratitude that you have that just overflows in thanksgiving? Right? Here, here we see it. It's a verb. It's an action. It's a praise. But we've also seen it in other, in other places. You know, he's praiseworthy or worthy of our praise. But what is it that stirs your deepest affections? What is it that captivates you? What is it that causes you to take action where you could surrender yourself and just say, praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. But I think a better question possibly is, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Because that, I think, will be the most, or at least one of the most important questions that you can ask. And some of you might be thinking, I, I, I'd like to know who this Lord is. But I think the majority of us just need to be reminded of who the Lord is. I promise that was not me. And, and that was not the ring that I got inside that meeting, by the way. That was not. So who, who is the Lord? Do you remember in Exodus? So Moses, God calls Moses and said, you're, you're my guy. You're going to be the one that's going to lead these people out of Egypt. And Moses says, I, I can't do it. I, can't, I just can't do it. And he's like, no, you, you can do it because I'm going to do it through you. And, and Moses says, well, what do I tell the people? And in Exodus 3, he says this, and listen to these words because this is absolutely incredible. Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. I am who I am. That's incredible. That's, a, that's just an amazing passage. But how about from the Psalms? Maybe we need to be reminded of who the Lord is. Psalm 19 says that he is our rock. Psalm 23 says that he's the good shepherd. Psalm 27 says that he is our light and our salvation. Psalm 28 says that he's our strength and our shield. Psalm 34 says that he's compassionate. He's near the brokenhearted. Psalm 46 says that he's our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And Psalm 145 says that he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He's good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. That is the Lord, and that is who we praise. And some of us this morning might be thinking, I don't see God that way right now. I don't. I, I'm going through a very difficult thing. You, you, you think that your relational problem is insurmountable. Your financial problem is insurmountable. That your work problem is insurmountable. And, and God's word says, no. No. And not only that, but praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We need to be moved from a habit of complaint to a habit of praise. And the only way we get there is through better theology. Better theology, a, a deeper theology 
a, a greater knowledge of who the Lord is will result in our praise. So where are we to praise him? Go back to the text. Verse 1, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. The sanctuary of God in the Old Testament was just the physical dwelling place of God. Today is the indwelling house of the believers. It's here. It's the church. It's the time we gather on Sundays to lift high the name of Jesus Christ. We are the temple of God. And so we're called to praise him inside his sanctuary, inside the church building. I can remember at a previous church we were at. There was a couple, you know, people sit in the exact same spots every Sunday, it seems. Like, we're, we're definitely creatures of habit. So this specific couple, we, I had noticed after probably a series of like four to six weeks that they were arriving after the worship time. They were getting there after the worship time. And I'm super direct and also very curious. And so I just, I had to ask them afterwards. So it was like the sixth week that they had done this. And I was like, why are you guys getting here early? Because they didn't strike me as the type of people that were like tardy and sloppy. They were pretty systematic in other things. And they were like, oh, we don't really care for the worship. We just want to hear the word. I thought to myself, I'm not sure exactly what's wrong with that. This is at the moment. But something's not right with that. That doesn't seem right. Now, a lot of us would think, yeah, that's crazy. That's just crazy. But... Some of us in the morning, maybe we're overtired. You know, like we're, we're not moved to worship because we spent all night Saturday doing something and we're not prepared for Sunday or we arrive late. or We can look at something like that and be super dismissive, but for ourselves, are we exemplifying the joy of the Lord? Is it, is it bursting forth from you as a church body? You know, this morning was just incredible to listen to the praises of the people. To stand up here and just listen was incredible. Isn't it, isn't it special? And doesn't the Bible speak of us one day praising forevermore with all the saints, every tribe, tongue, nation, all coming together? And we get a glimpse of it on Sunday morning with all of you. But we also see not only in the church, we're supposed to praise him in his mighty heavens. And this might be a connection to the angels that one day we will sing together with the angels. But I, but I think also it's anywhere else, right? It's not just in the church building, it's anywhere else. When you're out taking a walk, that you're overflowing with joy that results in praise, you're taking a run, maybe you're doing gardening, you're mowing your lawn, you're driving down the road, and you're just like, praise the Lord for your goodness to me. Praise you for your goodness to me. If you've ever been in the vehicle, this is, this is super funny. At least for me, it's funny. There are times when I could be in my vehicle singing at the absolute top of my lungs to a song. You've done this, right? You've done this before. And for a moment, you're thinking, I could seriously be up on stage singing with the group. Like, this sounds really good. Seriously. Like, this sounds really, really good. And about that time, your, like, Bluetooth goes out. And it's just you, and it doesn't sound good. Like, and you're like, that does not sound that good. Maybe I could be a backup vocalist. I'm, I won't be the main person, but I'll be the backup person. But, but shouldn't you be so moved by the glory of God that you just abandon yourself and you just sing praises to him forevermore? No matter what you're doing, you sing his praises 
everywhere, in church and out. Why? And I think I could spend probably half a year on this specific section of Scripture. Why do we praise the Lord? The text says in verse 2, for his mighty deeds and according to his excellent greatness. His mighty deeds. There's two that scripture mentions most frequently. One is creation and the other is the resurrection. God's creation is amazing. It is absolutely incredible. And if you've ever seen a video by Louis Giglio, I would encourage you to watch it. But there's a part in that video where, where he says, if you consider a quarter, a simple quarter, so this size, quarter, is the equivalent size of our solar system, the quarter. Our solar system, the sun, all the planets, and that revolution or rotation around the sun would constitute this quarter. Our galaxy, by comparison to our solar system, is the size of the North American continent. So our quarter is our solar system. Now think of the magnitude of our solar system. And our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is the North American continent. Wow. And not, there's not just one galaxy. There's billions of galaxies. And we are inside this quarter. Now let me ask you a really dumb question. Where are you on this quarter? If this is the entire solar system, where do you think you are on this quarter? You're, you're not even a pimple on George Washington's nose. Like we couldn't get anatomically down enough to see just how small you are, how small I am, and just how magnificent God is. So the next time you get a quarter out of your pocket, think to yourself, this is our solar system on the entire North American continent. And if that doesn't blow your mind to say, Lord, you are magnificent. And then whatever trouble you're going through, I don't want to minimize it, but where are you on this quarter? So creation and salvation. So salvation, I would argue, is an even greater miracle than that. As mind-blowing as that is, Think for a minute that you, not even a pimple on George Washington's face, the God of the universe came to earth while you were a rebel. The song that we sang said, I was running away from you. I was hell bound. And God in his grace and mercy rescued you from yourself and you weren't even willing. In fact, you were an enemy of God. And instead of him Casting you aside, he called you to himself. And not only do you have an inheritance, you have an inheritance as a son. So not only did he say, okay, I, I'm okay with you now. We're good. You've, you've settled the Father's wrath. He says, you are a son. You stand to have an eternal inheritance with me forevermore. That is a mighty deed. That is an incredibly mighty deed. How about his excellent greatness? Psalm 145 lists several character qualities, but you see these permeating through Scripture. He's great. 
He's majestic. He's good and righteous, gracious and merciful, abounding in love, good to all, powerful, faithful and kind, righteous, near. Couldn't you just go on and on and on? You know, by nature, I'm kind of an exaggerator. Full disclosure, I can exaggerate things to, to some effect. You can't exaggerate the character of God, right? Like, we, we can't be stirred enough with God to exaggerate a character quality. You can't. It's impossible. We, the song that we sang, we, we just, just a glimpse of you revealed is enough for me to sing. Just a glimpse. We get a glimpse of God, and it should just burst forth. But I'm just, I'm, I'm no different. This, this was a message that I needed to hear more than I needed to preach. I, I had just countless, countless opportunities to, to apply this, to put it into practice and I'm, I'm sitting with you. I'm, I'm hearing this. I'm, I'm just meditating over this. I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on who God is and what he's done for me. And it's amazing that when your heart is filled with who God is and what he has done, that the, the, it just bursts forth, right? We get so small. We get small, and when we get small, God gets big. And when we see God so big, we get small. So how do we do this? How do we praise God? Praise him with trumpet sound, verse 3. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. You know, what's interesting to note in verses 3 through 5 is you don't see a mention of words. Nothing is mentioned about words. And I'll circle back to this, but we don't see anything as far as doctrine, as far as words, nothing there. What we see is essentially like use everything you have. Give it everything you have. Now, culturally, these instruments are actually relevant. The priests would have had horns. The Levites would have had the harp and the cymbals. And the lay people, they would have had tambourines, strings, and pipes. So no different than us today with guitars and drums and we're to use everything. Everything we have, it's like this, it's this abandonment, it's this total abandonment and just saying, I'm going to use everything I have to praise the Lord. Every instrument that I have to praise the Lord. Now, it's a call to abandon ourselves but we know from other places in Scripture that words are important, that doctrine is important, that we're to worship in spirit and in truth. But in this specific passage of Scripture, what we see is energy, passion, overflow of praise. Now, before some of you think, like, all right, are we going to start dancing in the aisles now at Gospel Community Church? Probably not. A different type of dancing then. And some of you are thinking, man, it sounds super chaotic. What, what, what's emphasized here is there's a harmony here. There's a unity here. This is not a call for chaos. God is a God of order. 
This is an ordered instrument all coming together, all unified in praise, abandoning themselves, not worrying about neighbor, just lifting high the name of Jesus Christ. That's, what's, that's what we're seeing here in verses 3 through 5. Verse 6 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I don't think you need a Ph.D. in theology to get the author's main point from Psalm 150. We are to use everything we have, everywhere we are, everyone together to praise the Lord. Everyone, everywhere, with everything is emphatically instructed to praise the Lord. And we have to be stirred to that praise. But if we focus in on this breathing, on our breath, Remember in Genesis 2, God forms Adam from the dust and he breathes life, says it breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Now you can go without food for 40 days, approximately. You can go without water three to four days. You can go without breathing for about three minutes. About three minutes you can go without breathing. And what's interesting about our respiratory system that's super fascinating to me as I looked into it and just studied on, I think we take for granted breath and breathing and that process, but we know that the Bible says that it's a gift from God. The respiratory system, our respiratory system, it's the only autonomous system that we have that we can actually control as well. So, so think about that for a second. You, you can, throughout the night, you're not controlling your breathing at all. But you can control your breathing throughout the day. And in fact, it can alter your mood. It can alter your energy level. It can reduce your heart rate. You can control your breathing, but left to itself, it's autonomous. You can't do that with your kidneys, your heart, your liver, any other organ. But you can do that with your breathing. And why I think that's important is we're breathing 17,000 breaths on average a day. What is it that you're breathing in and what is it that you're exhaling? What are you breathing in and what is exhaling from your mouth? So some of us, we need to get new air. We need new air. And I'm not talking about going from like Breitbart to Fox News. That's not the new air that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going from CNN to MSNBC or this particular podcast or this particular news station. Some of, some of us are breathing in the anxiety of the world. We're just taking it in. We're just breathing it in consciously and unconsciously, and then we're exhaling. We're like a dragon. I was thinking, I'm like, it's such a good word picture. Like you're like a dragon where it's just like flames coming out of your mouth. Just, ugh. People are around you and it's like a flame. It's like, oh, man, I can't be around that person. I've been that person. Where it's just you're breathing in the wrong air and then what you're exhaling is not the praises of God. You're exhaling the world's troubles. It's like you're, you're feeding this system and what's coming out is just flames. So you have my permission this week. 
to tell your spouse, tell your friend, tell your kid, parent, you're being a real dragon right now. You have bad breath. You got really bad breath. And I bet if we use the Psalms, we're not meditating, we're not breathing in God's scripture. We're not breathing in the word of God because the psalmist was breathing in the word of God and he was exhaling the praises of the Lord. So what is that air that you're taking in? Is it TikTok? Is it Facebook? Instagram? You know what it is. And maybe it's time to do something radical. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Maybe you're watching things in the quiet of your house that you do not need to be watching. And you're breathing that in, and it's polluting you, and then you're exhaling garbage. And if we can get back to where we're breathing in the word of God and exhaling the praises of the Lord, that will be pleasing to the Lord. That will be pleasing to the Lord. So I think truth is, when we stop and think about it, don't we all have so much to praise God for? If we, if we stop and we think about his mighty deeds, about his excellent greatness, don't we have much to be thankful for, much to praise? Christ has to be the object of our deepest affections and our highest adoration. Christ has to be the object of our deepest affections and highest adoration. And everything else will pale. So we get five chapters here that end the Psalms with start to finish. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And isn't that just like our life? That when we come to the end of our life, we've gone through such heartache, such strife, such agony, so many times of despair, so many times where we think, Lord, where are you? You're not here. And God was always there. He was always there. He was your rock. He is your rock. He is your refuge. He is your good shepherd. We need to be reminded of who the Lord is. And what he has done for us. That we are so small and God is so big. And yet, despite how small we are, he sacrificed Jesus Christ for us. And we didn't deserve it. We deserve the wrath of God and we were spared. But the Lord says, in this life you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Human agony, emotion, just like the cross at Calvary. The pain, the suffering, the agony that resulted in everlasting praise. When all of the saints together one day will say, praise the Lord. Pray with me. God, in, in ourselves we are incapable and we are utterly desperate and dependent. 
that we take this psalm, we read it, and we desire it. We want to say praise the Lord in all circumstances, big and small. Lord, would you help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to captivate our hearts anew, that we would be reminded of who you are from your word, that you tell us that you are kind and merciful, that you are strong, that you are gracious to us, that you are the good shepherd, that, we, that you care for us. God, may we see the majesty of your creation, your beauty as we wake up tomorrow in the morning and just hear the birds. We see the stars at night and we know that you have numbered each one of them and called them by name. And we can't even fathom the vastness of this world that you've created. And God, this morning, I pray if there's someone in here who has not tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that God, today would be the day of salvation, that you would call them to yourself, that you would open their eyes to the beauty of your word, the beauty of the gospel, that you would overcome their rebellious will, that they would submit their life to you, and that they would be forever changed to give you glory, and one day we could stand together and all praise your name forever, because you, Lord, are worthy of it all. And we will sing one day forever that you are holy, 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 and worthy, worthy, worthy. Amen.